Hello, and welcome to One Stop Co-op Shop, your one stop for board game news and reviews. This week, game designers Peter Gusis and Michael Kelly will review a cooperative game and have a related design discussion. Hello, and welcome to the One Stop Co-op Shop, your one stop for co-op news, reviews, and playthroughs. I'm Peter, and today we're reviewing Skytear Horde. What's up, Mike? Hey, Peter. I'm in my basement, and it's cold. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. I'm actually proud of myself. I didn't say Skytear Hordes, which, for whatever reason, I keep calling it Hordes, even though there's only one Horde, apparently. I mean, I think there should be Hordes. You know, wh- why settle for one Horde when you could have several? And yeah, I think that's just a horrible naming error. That, that's our point number one. <laughs> that's our top Case point. Closed, don't, don't, give away, don't give away your review, Mike. <laughs> Yeah, that's all I got, man. That, that's for all five points right there. Yes, and we are going to have a uh, a discussion afterward on constructible decks. So games like Marvel Champions, like Sky Terror Horde, uh, where you are building a deck ahead of time and then playing. Although, you know, these games also sometimes come with pre-constructed decks. So we could talk about that as part of the discussion as well and what we think about it. Yep, yep. Uh, but first, uh, let's jump right in and thank some of our amazing patrons this month. If you don't know, we have Patreon. <laughs> uh, Patreon.com slash one stop, because we are not clever with naming. And uh, yeah, we <laughs> have exclusive videos over there. Sometimes it's me and Peter. Uh, this this month, we have sort of a fun one. Uh, I did a uh, reaction video to Colin's top games of 2022. And then at the end of the month, Colin's going to do a reaction video to my top games of 2022. So it'll be a little uh, tit-for-tat uh, response there. But yeah, I think we have like, uh, gosh, it's like 30 bonus videos close to already that you can only see over there. So yeah, if you're interested, uh, check out our Patreon. Again, patreon.com slash one stop. But, you know, if that's not uh, in your financial situation, in your budget right now, you can always just listen to the podcast, subscribe to the YouTube channel and the streaming channel. Uh, leave a review on Apple or wherever you're listening. That always helps. So we appreciate it. But uh, to thank a few of our supporters today, we're thanking Russell Caverly, Christopher, Megan or Megan, Rick Weber or Weber, Uncle Love Bird Games. You're I'm nailing that, it. Right? Nico in it. Oh, <laughs> I'm sure you got know. all of those 100 percent right. 100 percent right. <laughs> that's that's how we. That's the care we show our patrons. Always get their names 100 percent right. So and by the way, th- this is what you're paying for is a Patreon subscriber. You get to hear Mike just <laughs> announce the names of uh, all your Patreon <laughs> friends like incorrectly and like talk about uh, Colin's videos. Like, you know, he's like, Mijanite. <laughs> Knight, <laughs> what's that mage knight game? Mijan, Meiji Kanake. Yes, yes. So there you go. That's that's where your hard-earned money is going to. Uh, although I feel like your video, like reviewing Collins top 10 of last year, is going to be like, yeah, I called that one. Yeah, I called that one. Nope, don't have that one anymore. Um, Actually, well, what's interesting is that his list was so different than mine. Most of it was me being like, do I want to play this game I haven't played yet or not? Because uh, I think like at least six or seven of them I had not played at all. Are they all co-ops or mostly solo? Pretty much all co-ops. Now, how uh, is that possible that with the number of games, co-op games we play in a year, that there are more games that we haven't I mean, even played? Do, do you want to know why, honestly? Why? <laughs> Almost all of them are like giant mini games and like CMON games. Oh, okay. Which, number one, we don't get review copies of, and number two, are not necessarily like what I, I seek out most. But, yeah. <laughs> 
Yes. Well, so he he's obviously been influenced by Baron, is what you're trying to say here. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. He's going to the dark side. <laughs> All right. Well, speaking of the dark side, have you been playing anything lately? <laughs> I, How hey, does look, that transition even make any sense? It doesn't make sense. Just go with it, Mike. Don't call me out right, on my I, bad transition. I, like right, whatever I'm, you would have said there, I would have said speaking of whatever. <laughs> have you been playing any games lately? Speaking uh, of yes. egg sandwiches, what have you been playing lately, Mike? Fair, fair. So first one, my, my son and I actually played uh, today, and it's a lot of fun. Uh, we're, we're almost to the end of the campaign, the base game campaign. The reason I'm playing it is because they sent uh, the new expansion, and I'm going to do a video. I'm not even sure what yet. Like, maybe I, I, I never reviewed the original, but Jason did. And that's, uh, oh, crud. It's Robin Hood in some way, shape, or form. Is that the one with the board thousand. where you're, yeah, like, opening flats? The one with the board, yes. It's the one with the flaps that come up and like a storybook. Jason did a video on it. And yeah, it's it's been like really fun. Um, the mechanics are pretty straightforward. I was just thinking after the mission today, I was like, oh, this is getting a little bit repetitive. But then I looked and I was like, oh, we only have two scenarios left. So I'm like, hey, perfect. You knew when to stop game. <laughs> That's Although I heard there's an expansion fun. coming. So maybe not. Well, <laughs> well, yes. I mean, I, I have the expansion, but the expansion adds some new stuff. Like you got Friar Tuck oh. in the mix and like some other things. So it shouldn't be dull, hopefully. But yeah, like the, the story is kind of cool. The choices are fun. My son has no problem uh, playing it. The, the combat system, you draw tokens from a bag. and You're trying to get the good tokens. But when you get the bad tokens, they get taken out of the bag. So even if you like mess up a combat, it uh, it like kind of rewards you with better luck in the future. So yeah, I don't know. It, it, it's pretty fun so far. I'll probably let you borrow it uh, to maybe play with like Nick or Allie after I'm done and, and see what you think of it. It's funny. I feel like you never listen to me, although apparently last week I proved that I never listened to you either. Because like I talked about this game and I like tried to get you to come over and look at it at Gen Con? No, no, PAX last year. And you're like, yeah, 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 whatever. <laughs> like, but I feel well, like... I mean, <laughs> somebody asked about this today. They were like, hey, uh, Colin did a playthrough of, what was it? It's like astronauts, I think. They were like, Colin did a playthrough. Are you doing a playthrough? And what I said to them, and for anybody who's to hear what Peter is saying here, the second that a game is covered by somebody else on the channel, since I know I always pretty much always got at least 10. Right now I've got about 20 games I'm supposed to be covering for the channel. The second anybody else ever plays something, for better or worse, my interest immediately dips because I know that to keep up with like the crazy just train of content we're making. I need to always be playing something and it can't be necessarily something. So the, the only reason I'm playing this one is because they sent me the expansion and because my son really likes it. So it doesn't like kind of eat up my recording slash playing time at night. Sure. So I don't know, man. Like I, I hear you. I hear you, but it's tough to balance it all. No, 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 I get it. And the only things I've been playing lately are of course, Sky Pierre Horde, but also we played Ashes Reborn the solo co-op expansion that came out for yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What did you think of it? Because I know you, you and I played co-op one game, but mostly I've been playing it solo before I pass it along to you. Um, I enjoyed my game of it. I didn't play it more because this might have been a double review if I had a chance to play it more. Um, but we'll probably cover that next week is what I'm going to guess. Yeah. And so, yeah, no, I'm excited. Yeah, when, when I play these games, I do like to deep dive them, right? I want to play every faction. I want to, well, which is not going to happen with Ashes. I was about to say, way. that's not going to happen with Ashes. <laughs> it happened with Sky Terror, <laughs> but it's not going to happen with Ashes. That is for darn sure. Uh, but I want to play against every villain. I want to, well, that won't be hard with uh, Ashes yes. because there's literally one villain. So, <laughs> like, that'll be. Well, like, two, two different aspects, and then you can mix and match. So that, that's a little different, at least. Sure. 
Sure. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to playing more of that one. And then we did play some Frosthaven. I don't think we've talked about that yet, right? Yeah. Do we play beyond the intro scenario, though? I don't think we did, but I think we could say that truly the characters are more unique, I, I feel like, than either yes. regular Gloomhaven or Gloomhaven Jaws of the Lion, at least so yes, far. I, I agree mean, with that. All of one mission in, we have not done the town phase or anything else yet. Um, yeah, I was about to say, we've seen literally nothing of what makes it like more unique than the other ones. But, oh, wh- uh, well, what we can say is setting up the board is not easier. <laughs> that is for darn sure. <laughs> oh my gosh, going from Jaws of the Lion to Frosthaven, I'm like, why, Lord? <laughs> yes, it's definitely a. And especially, a, a oh my gosh, for anyone who hasn't played Frosthaven, like even in the first scenario, it's like, hey, find 18 different things that look exactly the same and yes. are the exact same bluish white color of snow, but yep. they're different. And I'm like, no, why are you doing this to us? <laughs> yes. And unlike, so one of the benefits of, um, and this isn't a review, obviously, we're literally one intro scenario in, but I I mean, we can review this aspect of it, which is the setup and the board layout and stuff. Like Jaws of Lion was great because when you had a tile, it would be surrounded by a border and that border meant the same thing no matter where it was. I think even putting borders around these tiles would have given you that like, oh, okay, this is what I need. And I guess- from what I can tell, it tells you which border applies to that terrain piece for this scenario. So, like, if, if I'm not wrong, I think in the next scenario of Frosthaven, the thing that was, like, an obstacle this time might be, like, a movement restrictor the next time. At least, that I don't know. That, that's how it seemed to me. Because otherwise, yeah, why I mean, wouldn't you put the borders around the things? Well, for thematic, right? Like, so the so it looks like an overhead map. I mean, that that's the only reason I could think of. Because what you just described to me would be an absolute freaking nightmare. <laughs> can you imagine, like, last mission, if something was one thing, and next mission... I mean, I guess you can imagine, because you use rocks and sticks for everything. And I'm almost with you at this point on, like, setting up these boards. Like, I don't even care. Just throw any hex shape, like... I'm, I'm putting cubes down next time. I right? mean, honestly, like, what I want to do is like open up base Gloomhaven and get some differently colored like terrain pieces and put them down because I know what a rock is, but I don't know what like a snow drift is <laughs> at least yet. Sure. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um. So anyway, that's our that's our short ten second Frosthaven, um, <laughs> which was more than ten seconds, by the way. But like we we we've talked more about it than we've played the game at this point. Although I I will say it took us longer to set up. For the mission that it, that it took us to play the mission, uh, that's true. That is so, true. So, so there is that. So that that hasn't changed apparently. But I, oh, I did uh, have what, what? more fun playing this scenario. I will say because I found my character infinitely more interesting. Um, I mean, I I cannot judge yet. My my problem with regular Gloomhaven eventually that it took me a while, like 30, 30 something scenarios in. And then my problem with Jaws of a Lion, much in a much shorter time, is that I just get bored. <laughs> you know what sure. I mean? So, I, yeah, it's impossible for me to say whether the, the, my character is certainly different than other characters. Sure. Will I still want to be playing that character in five scenarios? I don't know. You yep. Know? Yep. So we'll figure um, all that out. I'm sure that well, will be a review we do at some point in the first yeah, half of this year. More. Yes, of course. <laughs> well, one more game I wanted to mention just because by the time this uh, podcast goes up. So if you're watching the streaming channel, uh, the video I'm going to talk about is going up on Friday of this week. But if you're watching the podcast or listening to the podcast, it's already up. I yep. did another playthrough of Bullet. I did uh, the new Anne Claire promo character. That's a collaboration with Penny Arcade, the webcomic uh, people and the PAX people. 
But I'm saying it because uh, the promo that's being sold by Level 99, they're donating all of the profits to uh, three different mental health charities, which I think is pretty cool. Absolutely. And to kind of uh, go along with that, uh, the video that, again, is already up if you are listening to the podcast or it will be up on this Friday on the main channel. For everyone who comments, we're going to donate uh, extra money to Mental Health America. So just even if you don't usually comment, just go and say hi. And I'm just going to count it up count up all the commenters and then do a big lump donation to the uh, charity. So, you know, we're, we're doing our little part. And uh, yeah, if, if you have a chance to go check out the video, even if, even if you don't want to watch bullet, even if you hate bullet, you can still leave a comment and get uh, some more money to charity. And we'd really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. No, I mean, level 99, at least with that game that, you know, I love the game. I love the gameplay, but it's cool that they're also giving back. Um, I love when, when companies do that. Yeah, and, and I don't know if it was Penny Arcade's idea. I don't know if it was their idea, but either way, it's it's great. I'm, I'm really glad that it's happening. Awesome. All right. Well, let's get into our feature review today, which is Skyterra Horde. And as usual, I will cover the theme. And I'm just going to read right out of the book. So anybody... Yeah, I was about to say, I'm not even sure. I guess a portal something? I don't know. Go ahead. Yeah, any, anyone who knows too. my reading knows that we're in for something here. Uh, good, bad, and different. Who knows? Uh, but it's going to be a thing. An arcane and unknown power has taken over the world of Sky Terror, controlling hordes of monsters. Hordes, there it is. Uh, of Come monsters. on! Come on! It was right in front of you! Oh my gosh. Right? It's more than <laughs> one. I'm just saying. Controlling hordes of monsters led by dreadful elementals and outside the outsiders. Legendary heroes from all over the realm have set aside their rivalries and forged an alliance to repel the common threat once and for all. So I, I will just a little bit more into the theme. Uh, Sky Terror is a MOBA game. So if you don't know anything about that, there's like lanes and you got five heroes against five heroes and you're fighting each other and you're trying to like push toward each other's stronghold and defeat their stronghold. So that is the theme of this. And in Sky Terror, there are four main factions and those four factions are all represented in this game. Although this time you are joining together in alliances to hold off basically the uh, big bad guys who are coming in and trying to destroy your, you know, everybody, basically. Yep, it's, it's the old Warcraft, you know, everyone fight against the Burning Legion uh, syndrome, I guess. Yep. All right, so yeah, uh, mechanic-wise, so there is a competitive mode for this game. I have not played it. Nope. I, you ever plan to play it, Peter? Nope. Neither do I. <laughs> Basically, it becomes like a 1v, like one person controls the enemy faction. No interest. But it also has solo and two-player co-op play. And uh, like Peter said, uh, the original game is a MOBA where like you're defending lanes. So you kind of have like these uh, columns where you place card units. And then uh, this enemy deck will be playing random cards from it and spawning like units in there. They're trying to attack past your units and destroy your castle. You're trying to attack past them, destroy the portal that's summoning them, and that'll bring out the outsider, the big boss, and if you beat them, you win. But besides that, it's it's Magic the Gathering-esque in that you have uh, mana every turn, although instead of like having mana generated from your own cards, it's an automatic amount that you get every turn from the, uh, the portal, the gate itself. And each of your cards has a certain amount of mana to pay for it. And you're playing, like, spells to do one-time effects. You're playing, like, upgrades on people. You're playing out units and towers to boost them. And you're having fights back and forth. And they, like, play random spells from the deck on you as well. Uh, one interesting thing, though, is that you only draw cards when you defeat enemy units. So it's not like most games where you, like, get one draw a turn or draw back to a certain hand size every turn. You, like, you have to keep defeating them, 
And uh, like a lot of these games, if you mill through your deck too much, if you go through your deck too much, you can lose that way, as well as losing your castle. But those are kind of the basics. Like, if you played uh, Magic the Gathering or Hearthstone or those kind of games, it certainly got that kind of vibe to it, but in a solo co-op kind of defense standard, like, mechanism of uh, doing it. And what we do here, if this is your first time joining us, welcome. We talk about the top five things we think you need to know about the game, starting with number five, which is the least important and going all the way up to number one, which is the most important, although honestly, they're all important or we wouldn't be wasting time talking about them at all. So I will go ahead and start with my number five, which is the castle. So every time you play the game, you're choosing one of the eight castles that are included in the game. And they have a two things that are unique about them. Number one is they have a special power that is associated with them. And the other thing, and remember we talked about the four factions at the beginning. Well, each castle is associated with one of the factions, but they also usually have two other factions that they're affiliated with. So on the back of the castle card, it shows you how you can deck build as well. So which, you know, common, uncommon cards, whatever, from which factions you can use. So it not only lets you know what uh, faction you have, but it also gives you a special power for the game. Now, the reason this is all the way down at number five is I don't know that those special powers are all that unique or interesting. Honestly, the best part I find, I mean, don't get me wrong. They're definitely different from each other. I just find that I don't use them as often as I think I should. And maybe that's to my detriment. Maybe you'll tell me otherwise and you use them all the time. And that's why you're much better at the game than I am. But I don't tend to use the power that often. I tend to use it more for you can spend a mana with most of the castles to draw a card. And I tend to use it for that more than I ever use it for its actually unique power. So that's my number five is the castles. It's cool because it teaches you how to deck build for that faction or tells you what you can do to deck build. And it also gives you a special power. Yeah, and just to be clear... uh Deck building, I usually call it deck construction. This is like yes. before the game, and you don't have to do this. You can use the pre-con, like, uh, single-color, like, decks that come with the game. But if you want to kind of construct a mix-up of, like, the colors, you can. Uh, yeah, so I like the castles, too. Um, I'm going to kind of talk about some of those things a little bit later. But I-, I don't know. I find some of them very powerful and some of them not as powerful. So it does depend on the castle for me. Sure. Uh, but my number five is uh, squarely focused on the co-op play. I'll be honest that I mostly played this game solo. Yep, me too. And it's just very quick and simple to do so. But it's interesting. When I previewed the game, the co-op was not great balance-wise. Like, I found that in most of the games, we would get too many cards out. We would kind of, like, just gum up the works, and it would get kind of dull. I think they've done a great job. They did an awesome job developing the game from the prototype in general. Yes. Like really, this is one of the better jobs I've seen of like improving every aspect of the game. Yes. But I think the co-op is really good here. I think it works really well. I played it two-handed. I played it like actually two-player. And I think uh, the mixing and matching of like powers, like, you know, usually you can't have, for example, the blue faction and the red faction together. Like they just cannot uh, deck construct together. But being able to like boost the blue faction that has good defense with like more attack from the red faction, like with swords and stuff. There's a lot of like cool things you can do. Discussions of like how to divide things up, who's going to take on different enemies. I found the co-op very enjoyable here. So even though like it's only one to two player co-op and a lot of people might just play it solo. I think the co-op is a totally fully realized and interesting option. It's not tacked on. It's not poorly balanced anymore. I think it's really good. Yeah, and how they balance it, actually, is my number four point, which is the portals. So the portals are basically, you're going to have to fight your way through three portals in each game. Portal three is always the same, and it basically doesn't spawn any more horde cards. But the portal, 
similar to the castle, gives you a couple pieces of information. It tells you how much mana you get each turn. It also tells you how many horde cards come out each turn. And it controls a couple of things. Number one is it controls solo versus co-op play or multi, you know, two-player play. It tells you how many are spawned based on that. But it also, there's three different difficulties as well. And while there are three portals, you actually go through them pretty quickly. After you defeat the first one, that's what spawns the main boss. And then when you get to the third one, no more horde cards are played, which are the cards that kind of like the enemies that are coming out on the board. Those aren't played anymore, but your mana goes down. And when you don't play horde cards, this is a, a something I don't get into at any of my other points, then as you defeat enemies, that's the only way you can draw cards in the game as well. So if you have no more cards coming out, then you're relying on your mana, which is now also in that third phase, you get less mana, so you're relying on that as your only way of drawing cards because you aren't going to be spawning any more monsters. So I do feel like it's a uh, a neat way of controlling difficulty, but I also like that option. Do I just kill the, the main boss while we're on stage two here and he's spawning a bunch of enemies, or do I get all the way to stage three so I can stop that bleeding, but now I gotta now I'm not getting as many cards and everything else, and I gotta beat the boss without all those other resources that I'd be getting. Yeah, I thought the whole choice of like whether because to be clear, you don't have to go to the third portal. You can just stay on the second one and beat the boss that way. I found the whole choice of like going to the third portal or not very interesting. In some games I did, in some games I didn't. Yep. And that's um, why it's interesting, right? If you always did yeah. the same thing, I think it would not be as interesting. But yes, I found the same thing is not every game do I do the same thing. I would like to usually go to that th- third portal because I do find those bad guys pretty rough to deal with. But the fact that I don't, you don't have to is pretty cool. Yeah. All right, so my number four uh, pro for me is the modular options in the game. So we already talked about the deck construction. Now... Something we're going to talk about in our little design discussion at the end of the episode is there's not a lot here. Like, for example, the castles that Peter mentioned will say, like, you can use, I think, like six of the rare cards from, like, your color. But each color, I think, only comes with, like, four or five in the base set. So you, like, literally cannot (laughs) use the maximum number they allow for. So, you know, that that remains to be seen. I think they're planning to do more expansions. If the game sells more, I'm sure they will do more expansions. They've certainly supported Sky Terror well. But that being put aside, I think the module options are great here. And not just in the deck construction, but even in just like if you just switch which main deck you're doing. Like if you just use the pre-con blue, yellow, uh, red, green decks, they all play differently. They all have like kind of different main like keywords and powers they focus on. They feel different. I think that's all great. And then you can also switch up the outsider, the final boss, and you can switch up which enemy deck you're against. And that really changes up things quite a bit. I do wish it, it feels like some of them are harder than others, but there's no like ranking system in the yes. game. And it seems like nobody ever does this. I wish they would like say, Hey, this is the hardest one. This one's a little bit easier, but I also don't mind that much because the game's so quick and you get a feel for them like pretty quickly. But yeah, I love that you can like mix and mod- mix and match all of the enemies. I like that you can switch your factions even without getting into deck construction. And as they release more sets, which I'm certainly in- interested in buying, I, I think like the deck construction part will get a lot more interesting. They and they, you can play at the highest difficulty level and like really do some awesome stuff. Remains to be seen, but hopefully that'll happen. Yeah, I, um, and you didn't talk about the monster. The well, I guess you did a little bit. The different horde decks that come with it, and they do have. Well, that, that's feel. what I mean. Like yeah, the, yeah. the enemy decks. I think that's the. I think that's a bigger change than the outsider. Honestly, since the outsider only shows up 
for the final, you know, like three or four rounds while you're fighting them. Although I will say the Outsiders felt unique. Again, part of the reason I'm talking about it here is because it's not one of my points. But I do feel like each of those did feel unique, as well as, of course, those Horde decks definitely feel different from each other. Um, It it Almost more so than something like uh, Marvel Champions with their little modular sets that you can include. Oh, yes, I would agree with that. It it changed it up more because it's literally the entire deck except for like six cards that you do every time, which deal with the minions, which I will talk about that. In a minute, but my number three point I'm going to talk about is the treachery card. So the portals kind of tell you like tactically what's coming out, how many cards are going to spawn. You could see coming up, okay, next turn it's going to spawn two horde cards. This turn it's only one, maybe sometimes it's zero even. The treachery cards are kind of the, how the AI and how like messes with you. It it, like changes thing. It boosts them. It boosts. Wow. That's not a word. It boosts the monsters up. So, but it only boosts the left or right most monster. So, you know that it's only going to be one of those two. You know the ones in the middle are safe, but it might boost the outside monster's attack by one, two, or three on either side of the line. Or it could do something like move the monster. Like if this monster is engaged, moved it to the all the way right free space. So, they may run away from you and do more damage to your, uh, your castle. Um, but also that frees up your character that's there to do damage to the portal at the same time. So it kind of changes it up in a not difficult to do way. I mean, it's literally flip a card, do what it tells you to do, but in a very interesting way. So it's not just static because beside this, you can really plan out for exactly what's going to happen because they spawn first and then you do like your stuff. But in this situation, it's like the thing that changes up um, and makes the enemy feel different from game to game or or from round to round. Yeah. And it is interesting because it reminds me a lot of, is it called Treachery in Lord of the Rings? But anyway, in Lord of the Rings LCG, like when each enemy attacks, you deal a card to them. This is, that, that sometimes felt too punishing for me and I didn't necessarily like that mechanic in Lord of the Rings. But here, since it's a single monster benefiting, and like Peter said, you have this predictability of it being only on the left or only on the right, and it tends to be plus one attack. That's by far the most common like bonus that they get. Um, it didn't bother me at all. Like I think it, it, like Peter said, it gave like that little bit of unpredictability, but still like in a predictable way. And that kind of goes right into my number three, which is like sort of a mix for the game, and that's the card draw luck. So. They try to balance the cards, and in a, in a fairly admirable way. So first of all, the nastiest monsters, the nastiest abilities that come out of the deck, give you extra mana. So it's like the next turn, you will be able to... Well, not even the next turn, that turn. That turn, <laughs> yeah. you get the mana, and then you do your stuff. That turn, you'll get to, you know, uh, play stronger things. You'll get to do nastier stuff to uh, to respond to whatever they've brought out, you know? So, so that's positive. That's good. And then... Also, the strongest people are the ones that have the most swords for the treachery effects and have the nastiest like bonuses there. Yep. So it's like, oh, uh, because I drew them for treachery, I got extra, you know, my, my cool guy got killed by somebody I thought they wouldn't be able to be killed by, but now I'm not going to draw that monster. So, so there are some balancing mechanics there. Yep. But that being said, sometimes you just draw the nastiest monster in the deck and not at a good time and you have no answer to them, you know? And well, and you might not uh, have good cards in your hand. Like, just because right. you get extra mana doesn't mean you have stuff to pay for. Uh, yeah, and like, you and get like a bunch of deck, weak stuff. Yeah, so, so you know, you're not drawing a lot because you only draw when you kill stuff. Sometimes you'll, like, draw a lot of spells and not units. You won't really be able to do much. 
you have these uh, hero units that are like by far the most powerful and like are kind of like the unique characters in your deck. Sometimes you draw them. Sometimes they're the thing that gets milled by the minions where they're like stealing cards from the top of your deck. And there's very few mechanisms to get cards back. So I'm calling it a mix. Honestly, I wouldn't have the game work a different way. The game plays so fast, I don't mind a bit of randomness, and it means that it's going to be different every time I play it. You know, I'm not going to get, like, the exact same stuff with my blue deck every time. I'm not going to see the exact same enemies every time. But it does have that negative that you can feel like a bad, you know, draw from the deck tanked your strategy or made you lose or win. It's going to bother some people. But, yeah, for me, it's in a way almost a full pro, but I know it's going to annoy other people more than me. Yes. Yep, and my number two kind of ties into it again. It's funny. We have a lot of points that have tied together today, but not a lot of points that are overlapping. My number two is the minions and the pillaging. So we didn't really... Yeah, you're very focused on like the individual mechanisms, which is cool, because my review did not do that that much this time. By the way, uh, Ryan Picklesimer, great uh, fan of the show, is in the comments. Howdy, howdy. Hey, Ryan, thanks for uh, watching. Yep, and uh, we also got Brian Games there, who said, uh, just got my copy, the mat is super long, and yes it is, because you need those six lanes, plus they gave you space on the outside to put all your decks and stuff. But I mean, it works really well, and basically oh, sure. everything you need fits on the mat, but yes, it is a wide mat. Yeah, and well, you don't for, need for it also. Is in, in Jared Otis asked, is this a game that would be better with Kickstarter Edition or Standard good enough? So I'm not sure if the mat comes with Standard, but you don't really need it, you just need to have six columns of cars, which is uh, simple enough. Probably can buy it too. They're pretty good about putting stuff on their web store. So I would yeah. imagine the only thing that's really maybe exclusive to Kickstarter would be those like acrylic tokens that you got. Yeah, but, but who cares th- about that? The, well, the cardboard ones are fine. Well, and also the acrylic tokens have different symbols on them, so they don't even match uh, what's in the rule book. So, I mean, if that's really the only thing you can't get, I would definitely recommend buying the mat if you can. I, I, I wouldn't even go there. I, I I played the game without a mat several times, and I thought it was fine. No, I, I would say, Jared, that the retail edition is totally fine. You probably want the expansion, though, right? That has what comes Yeah, but I it. think they're going to sell that separately. I don't think that's the oh, sure. thing. Yeah, I don't yeah. think they're gating the expansion. But yes, I, I will say the mat is very nice, and Jerry Cosmic Slayer loves the deluxe token. So maybe, I, I might be the odd man out. Maybe, Jared, you should get the deluxe version, because <laughs> the mat and the acrylic tokens are nice. Uh, I think they're coming back to Kickstarter, though, right? Or is that not officially announced yet? I, I'm not sure where they're I've not that. seen anything yet, but I, like I said, I hope so. I, I'm, I'm ready. Give me more content. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, I, I feel like it did well, and people are, I can imagine, reviewing it well, because like I said, every complaint, or like you said earlier, every complaint I ever had about the, the pre-production copy, and I wasn't really sure whether I was going to like it or not, they fixed. So I'm very ecstatic about that, because not every publisher does that, right? Not every publisher takes the feedback they got in their Kickstarter and makes the game better. They certainly did in every way make this better than the way it was in the preview version. Yeah. All right, but my number... I think I... Yeah, sorry. You're to number two, Peter. (laughs) Yes, we got a lot more comments. Thank you, everybody. We love the live chat. And if you don't know what we're talking about, if you're on the podcast, we do stream this live on our YouTube stream channel. So come be part of the discussion. And whether we're answering you or not, the chat will talk to each other as well, which is awesome. So my number two is the minions and pillaging. So the way this works, there are four different groups of minions that come out at the be- well, in every single game, it's always the same four groups. And they really, they do have a little bit of unique flair in some of the horde cards 
that are in every game, but really what they are there to do is pillage through your deck. And what that means is there you put these cards like off to the side, but you can then engage them when you play to fight them and choose to fight them. And they're basically for every token they have on them. They become one stronger, both with life and with their attack. So if they have two tokens on them, they're two life, two attack monster. So, but what they do is For any of those that you don't draw down and fight for the round, they are going to pillage cards at the end of the round, which means take cards from the top of your deck and basically burn them to your discard pile. As Mike said earlier, that does tie into the luck a little bit because you could burn your best cards, your heroes, things like that. Every deck has their own unique stuff that they do, and some of those cards that make your faction even more unique... Are, might be just thrown away by this like milling mechanic. Now it does raise a, an interesting point. How much time and effort do you put into defeating those minions mm-hmm. or do you let them just mill through your deck? Cause that is one of the loss conditions. There's two loss conditions. One of them is running out of cards. The other one is your castle running out of life. Um, and I've lost both ways. And so the, the reason I put this in here, cause I think it's so interesting that all the things they did to make your decisions more interesting because this could have been a very straightforward, the boss is out, you fight them, minions keep coming out, you go from there. But because of the way this minion mechanic works and because of the loss condition that's associated with it, like you really have to make tactical choices of, do I bring things down or not? Do I burn through the second gate so I don't have to deal with monsters coming out anymore? Or do I, you know, just focus squarely on the boss and try to burn them down as fast as possible? And all of this happens in a fairly short, quick game, 20 minutes to an hour for most games. I think Mike's probably on the 20 minute timeline. I'm probably on the hour timeline because I know everybody like you and Terrence keep telling me how short the game is. And I'm like, my games are taking about an hour, but uh, that's fine. You know, everybody goes at their own pace. So yeah, but I I love how the tension of this minion mechanic, you know, because paired with the tension of, you know, what do you do with the portals and what do you, you know, are you progressing towards victory? You know, Marvel Champions, one of my favorite games, has a lot of different ways you can go, but I feel like it it's almost similar a lot more than this game is similar, which is very interesting to say for a game that plays as short as it does. But that game, I feel like I kind of try to build up for a while, and then once I've built up enough, I go after the boss. Whereas here, sometimes that's the right thing to do, depending on your faction, I think, as well. And sometimes it's better to slow play it a little bit more. So I, I, I think all those little choices add up to something very interesting here. So that's my number two. Uh, I love just the push and pull of, you know, the minions and how they pillage and how all that works as a loss condition. Yeah, and a lot of what you just said is going to be my number one in a second. So I'll just quickly do my number two. Yep. And that's uh, the card combos. So I'm an old, I don't talk about this that much because it's totally outside the co-op realm, but I'm an old uh, collectible card game CCG player from back in the day. I was playing Magic, uh, not Alpha Beta, but uh, whatever third edition was called. And like Legend of the Five Rings and original Netrunner and just tons of old games. So I, I like when I can do clever card play and clever card combos. And this game gives that feeling, I think, in like a really cool way. Like when you perfectly set up that defensive attack so you kill them and they don't kill you when you use like uh, unit abilities in really clever ways. And and one of the things that I think makes you feel kind of most powerful and makes it most fun is that first of all, a lot of units have exhausting abilities that like give some kind of bonus. And unlike almost every game I can think of like this, how exhausting a unit to use their ability works is you just slide them down in the row. 
but they're still awake. <laughs> they'll still yep. fight. They'll still do everything. Like almost every other game I could think of, you know, because they're copying magic yep. as the tapping mechanic, you know, where you use them and, oh, they can't do anything else. They can't block for you. But in this one, like you're, you know, you're a little druid that like can heal somebody or you're, you're a person who can boost other people's attack. They can do that every turn and still wallop somebody. And I, I just think, uh, they really leaned into like fun, consistent combos, fun, interesting card interactions. And again, if they go farther and bring out more cards, because like already each of the colors kind of has like two things it's doing well, which is reflected in the two different uh, castles for that faction. Like, uh, you know, the red faction has kind of like its emphasis on like sort of unit boosting, but also has emphasis on weapons, you know, so you and. I'm excited to like see even more card combos. Like when I can do like a full like weapon focused deck or do like a full, you know, uh, minion attack deck or something. So yeah, I, I think the card combos bring the best of CCC goodness, but in such a quick playing uh, package. And you know what? L- let me just go to my number one, Peter, because it is basically identical to your number two. Okay. I presented it a little bit differently, but what I call it is just like choice and time. And Terrence uh, uh, talked to me about this on uh discord and kind of put this idea in my head before i did my video review it's hard to think of a game that is this quick now again maybe for peter it's not as quick but for me it is a (laughs) 20 to 30 minute game like max that is this quick and has so many like fun decisions to make that are meaningful peter touched on a bunch of them already like do you fight the minions or do the you let them build their your deck because if you lose the game and you have like 50 cards left in your deck you probably fought the minions too much. You know what I yep. mean? Like it's a resource to be used. Same thing with your castle. Like if, <laughs> if all your units are dead and your castle has full life, eh, you might've like messed up somewhere. Cause you can let them go through. You can let them attack you. You can let the minions stay. You're drawing very few cards and usually you don't have enough like mana to pay for all of them. So like, which ones do you play? When do you play them? You have all these cards that boost, but do you boost them now to kill that guy? But then your unit will die too. Do you wait until you get something else that'll help you out? You know, how do you construct your deck in the first place? How do you play against this type of enemy with this type of faction? Yeah, I don't know, man. Like in a 20 to 30 minute game, it's great. I, I just think that the yeah. card choices really do call to mind like Hearthstone, Magic the Gathering, like just great kind of CCG experiences. I think it's a really impressive like feat they've done. And, and it does make me feel like I, I did a video review of Deck of Wonders recently which is also like heavily inspired by Magic the Gathering. That's like a solo, mainly focused one as well. And that one was like very random. It had like a very different focus. They designed the games that you're supposed to win like 15 to 20% of the time. That was kind of like the ethos behind it. Right. Which, you know, is a choice. Um, <laughs> but th- th- this one definitely, like both of those, uh, I previewed in, close to each other and both of them were like Magic the Gathering-ish in some ways. Skytear Horde is definitely the one that comes out ahead for me. Like excellent, excellent kind of like tactical choices throughout the game. So sorry, well, that, that was that was a, a two and a one. Peter, what's your number one? Well, you <laughs> led right into me again. So I mean, it feels like that's what you're doing today, which is tactics. I mean, this <laughs> tends to be my number one for a lot of games, ironically. But the tactics in this game, so you got the play effects. When you put a, a card from your hand in, it sometimes will do something as a play effect. You have the exhaust effects, like you were talking about. You could do that. You have moving from lane to lane. There's total freedom. There's no like you get one move per turn or anything else. Nope. You can move wherever you want from lane to lane, do you pull minions down or not, right? Do you engage them? Do you line up with their guys so you can defeat them, so you get card draw, 
Or do you go and work on destroying the portal so you can bring the boss out or stop this flow of minions from coming out for the rest of the game? There's so many choices and so many tactical things you have. And I'll be honest, when I first played it, and it might be because a prototype didn't have as much of this or it was more frustrating because, and and I will be honest, there is some frustration with the rules and we'll get that in our final thoughts where I don't know that they cover everything as well as they should. And that might be a language thing or whatever else because they are Italian. So, I mean, a little bit of a pass, but you know, hopefully that's something they can clean up through FAQs and, and rules for them you know, discussion in the future and clean up some of those cards for the future. It's not terrible, but it's certainly in there. But the thing you're coming to this game for is the tactics, the things you can do. Like when I first played it, I was like, oh, well, clearly I'm just going to play this unit, you know, like magic in every other game. I have four magic, so I'm going to spend four on this, or I'll spend two and two, or I'll spend three and one. But those aren't even all the most interesting choices in this game. And because your mana hangs around from round to round, that's not always the best thing to do, too, because some of these games limit you, right? You have, I mean, Hearthstone, one of my favorite games that I still play all the time, you like get five mana for the, that round, you get six for the next round, but none of it will carry over to the next round. So you can't build up to get these bigger things quicker. This game, they let you save your mana from round to round, which I think is a really interesting choice. And I think it's more fun that way because maybe I do play something smaller. I do underwhelm this turn so I can have a really good turn next turn. And again, I could do all the tactical things in the world because I have full knowledge but then that one little treachery card will come out and like mess with my plans, which is awesome in a good way, not in a frustrating way for me, at least anyway. So we'll just go straight from my number one tactics to I like this game way more than I thought I would. I I need to play it more, ironically, uh, even though I've played it quite a bit, just because I've done no deck construction in this. Did you ever do anything or you just played with the base? Yeah, I did only like twice. Again, with the limited card pool, it wasn't as interesting as it can be, but I saw, I thought the possibilities of it, you know? I mean, the only thing I did, because they do have in the expansions, I guess they give you extra heroes. So there's 41 cards per deck, one of which is an extra hero that each faction has. So I was choosing my heroes and I was swapping Mm -hmm. those out a little bit um, just to see how the faction would play potentially different with different heroes. Although again, because of the card draw and the milling and everything else, it didn't make that much of a difference always, but it was still cool when you got one of those heroes and certainly cool when you got both of your heroes in a game. That's for sure. So yeah, this one did really well. And just to address some of the stuff in the chat before you get to your final thoughts, Breen Game says, I kind of get the feeling too, it seems like hordes is the emphasis. I will say they just put out a newsletter. And you have to remember, these are two brothers that are like the lead designers, the publishers, the everything. So they did focus on Skyterra Horde last year to great effect. But they did say that this was going to be the year of Sky Terror, where they're going back to the main game. Mm. They're going to actually come out with a second edition. They're going to make it more MOBA-focused, because that one was very deck construction-y as well. They're going to make it so it's more of a prefix decks for those, with still the option to deck building. But that way, it's more ta- it gets more to the tactics. So this mm. year, I feel like they're going to get back to main Sky Terror more. But hopefully, they've already designed some stuff for hordes um, that we'll get before they go back. Although hopefully they fix that solo mode as well. Not necessarily fix, but like just clean up some things. Um, cause they, they have done a lot with it, but hopefully they clean it up a little bit more, uh, as well. Cause I'd love to cover that as well. Cause it's close. It's good. But seeing what they did here, I think they can do even better with that solo mode for regular sky terror as well. Yeah, no, that sounds good. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, my final thoughts, I kind of already feel like I went into them. I, I think this game's great. Quick playing, modular 
tactically interesting and fun. Like the, the, those are my top games generally. <laughs> yep. Um, and yeah, it's been interesting. Like I, I, I do, if Peter and I review uh, the red rain solo co-op expansion for ashes uh, reborn in a couple of weeks, it'll be interesting to kind of compare the two because they do live in kind of similar spaces. Yep. I think they're both doing different things, but sky tear is just, ah, it's so fast. So fun. The box is small. Now, of course, as they, add more stuff it's maybe not going to remain so you'll have to like find a different storage solution but yeah it's just like a tight fun package i think what so it's only three factions in the base game three enemy decks i think like three or so outsiders and then they had like a mini expansion that i guess you can probably buy separately that has the fourth faction and uh, another enemy deck so I, I think with three factions, you might get bored a little bit. Adding the fourth one is nice. But yeah, the second that they get some more content here, it's going to be awesome. So yeah, yeah there's a strong recommend for me. I really, really like this one. Good. So, I mean, pretty positive thoughts overall. So let's quickly get into our design discussion, which is constructible decks. This is something that I never thought I would like because I wasn't a huge fan of constructing decks in Magic. And every time there's one of these games that comes out, it's like, ah, I don't want to construct a deck. I want a, a, a pre-constructed deck. I'd prefer to have that. Even in SkyTerror, we just talked about. I'd prefer to have that pre-constructed deck as a starting option. But one thing I do think it does is breathe life into the longevity of a game. What I mean by that is, yeah, I want to start with a pre-constructed deck, but if I like the game, I want to be able to explore it more, and it gives you more options to explore it for a longer term, I think. So for me, that's the biggest benefit of constructible decks. I still want that pre-constructed option, but once I get into a game heavy, I want that option to be able to like change my deck up. Yeah, and I definitely go pretty heavily toward like the pre-con side as well. Like I prefer Sentinels of the Multiverse, just having like a deck for each hero to like Marvel Champions, even where there is a pre-con deck and like there are unique, you know, Iron Man cards that only Iron Man uses, but you still like are kind of encouraged to mix and match. Uh, and, and I sort of deck construct grudgingly, but the one game where I like deck construction and I like just like digging through and looking for combos is Arkham Horror LCG. And that's my favorite game. And I've played it like a <laughs> hundred times or more. So yeah, I, th- I think it really takes a while before that like added possibility and depth calls to me enough to where I want to deck construct in a game. And I, and I used to, you know, I used to really enjoy trying to make decks in Magic and Lord uh, Legend of the Five Rings and Netrunner and like all the ones and Jihad I used to play a lot of or Vampire, the Eternal Struggle, whatever it ended up being called. What's interesting is that in those games, I never had, you know, because I was a, a, a kid or teenager, I never had enough money to actually get enough cards. So it was more like the the tantalizing possibility of deck constructing. Sure. And now, and I, I would really thank Fantasy Flight for this, whether you like their LCGs or not. I feel like there are so many games that are going with this model, like deck construct, but here's everything you need. You know what yeah. I mean? Or deck construct, but here's the exact stuff you get. But now that I have that, I don't know, this is my older age. I don't necessarily have the time or that like to geek out and like dive deep and be like, Ooh, what combo can I find now? Like, I don't know. This doesn't seem as uh, exciting for me <laughs> as it once was, you know, by the way, Mike, good news from Jerry cosmic slayer. This is why I love recording these live, by the way, says update 19 says that they will have the first expansion in April. Oh, wow. 
Like, yep. to buy or, like, on Kickstarter? I'm sure on Kickstarter. And actually, okay. now that it's been announced, I can say, uh, they, they asked us to cover it. They're not going to have a physical copy of it, but, like, do TTS playthrough with them, um, oh, if oh. I remember correctly. So, um, I was like, I don't remember that, but if, if they talk to you, that's good. Yeah, yeah. No, I think it was in the, the chat. You probably just missed it or whatever. Yeah. Um, no, like and Breed Games says, oh, I don't think I ever played Overpower. I also played uh, the Warhammer 40K, a few different Warhammer 40K CCGs, because I played like a Fantasy Flight one, but the one before that. What was like the old Arkham Horror CCG, Peter? You ever play that? Call well, Cthulhu? somebody in the chat wasn't was it called Cthulhu? Okay, yeah, Call of Cthulhu. Call of Cthulhu. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I've been, I, I used to play those all the time. But yes, so deck construction is cool. I, I think Peter and I are both kind of dancing around if you're designing a game, like the pros and cons of it. Well, a the big, big con for. Well, yeah. You want to go in? Well, I was going to say the big thing for me I've already mentioned is I think even if you're going to do this with all the pros and cons, you know, which we'll get to in a minute, I still want that pre-constructed option. And I think like the mistake that games that turn me off to deck building, even Magic figured it out, right? They have pre-constructed decks for you to start, you know, starter decks for new players, you know, where you can just get these two pre-constructed decks and you know it's going to work. Uh, I think that's where games like Keyforge did really well. Every deck is pre-constructed, right? It might not be 100% balanced, but you don't have to deck build. But for me, with the pros and cons, it doesn't matter. It goes away if you've got that pre-constructed option. So sorry, I know I interrupted. Go ahead and... Uh, so what are your big pros and cons? Well, no, so, so like the big thing I was going to say, and I think Sky's hair illustrates this, is that if you're going to design a game that like has construction, how much is enough... And like, how much success do you need to make the game viable? Sure. You know, like if this was it for Sky Tear Horde, would that be enough? No. I'd say no. If they didn't have the deck construction at all, and they were just like, hey, here's four decks, here's some enemies, go to town. Would that be enough? I've had a lot of fun playing it. Look, I I got more value out of this game than most people are going to get out of most games they buy. Sure, right? sure, sure. I, I I've, already played, like, I've already, yeah, I've already played it 10 plus times with Absolutely. just the pre-con decks, and I've never deck built. But to get to that 20 plays, I'm going to want to deck construct, right? Yes. And, and I, 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 think, I, I think that's the big hook for me, and I keep coming back to the same thing. But it's like, I, I need a game to be good and interesting enough by itself and with the pre-constructed stuff you have. For me to get invested enough in your game to want to spend that precious free time that I have building a deck for your game. Like when I'm thinking about your game, and that's the benefit of these pre-constructed things is, or not pre-constructed, the the deck construction is people can think about your game even when they can't play your game, right? Yes. They can work on it. They build decks. It gives them something to do. It almost becomes more of a lifestyle. And that's what magic is really built upon. Even when people couldn't play magic, they spend all their time building their decks and figuring out what are the best cards to go with these other cards. And should they find other cards? yeah. It produces conversation. It produces yep. the meta. You know what I mean? Where like people are talking about your game a lot, which is obviously free advertising and, and obviously has worked great for Magic. Not necessarily all the other games, <laughs> but well, Magic sure. has kept it going. Yeah. So I guess for anybody who's thinking about designing a constructed game, my first question is like, are you sure? Because <laughs> those all sound great. Those are big benefits. But how many games have thought they'd be constructed and they're like, oh, yeah, never mind. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or the well, other right. way you go, which is like a common thing on Kickstarter, is like you try to make enough so that you have everything you need for the game at the outset. 
But I think the best like design decisions for all these kind of games come as the game lives and breathes. The designers see how what people are doing with the game, like they hear ideas and forums and stuff, and that all gets kind of taken into consideration as you build new expansions. Like I think uh, the LCG teams at Fantasy Flight have done an awesome job building new things each in each time. And if they had had to like, you know, if, if Arkham Horror or Lord of the Rings or Marvel Champions had had to like think if Marvel Champions had to have like 30 heroes, <laughs> you know, in the base set. Sure. And it was like a $150 Kickstarter, $200 Kickstarter. I don't know. I think it would probably be a mess. I mean, well, even Sentinel is one of my favorite games of all time. Like only they had some really messed up like characters that didn't weren't that fun to play. And now in the definitive edition, like the third or fourth try around, they finally got it to where all of them feel pretty good. You know what I mean? Sure. And I mean, one of the negatives also is you could have broken cards or cards that everyone wants yep. to include in every deck. So there, there are definitely some traps you could fall into with construction. Like then you have to start limiting cards in your carpool, things like that. I still think you probably want to push the envelope as much as you possibly can just to make things interesting. But, you know, just don't make it way more powerful. Than it. Like, don't make something yeah. plus three attack and something else plus five attack, right? For the same cost. You obviously don't want to do that when you're talking about power creep. Maybe it's plus five power, but there's a restriction to it. Or you take more damage as well. Or, you know, obviously the more knobs you have and dials you can turn, the more interesting those decisions become and the more you can do with those decks. But I do think... You know, that's where it comes at a cost, too, because if you do make a card that's tweaked a little bit too good and everybody starts using it in that in their decks, then does that the game become about that one card? Right. And now, you know, if you try to balance it by making the enemies a little bit harder, now all the other cards aren't as good. So now you got to start making cards for the player decks that are better. So I, I do think you can go down a slippery slope as well. And in trying to be creative, you can make stuff that's like tweaked a little too good or tweaked a little too bad. And that, especially in a competitive version, we don't talk yeah. about that here, you know, could be a real issue. But even in a cooperative sense, like I don't want to use the same five cards every time I play a game. I think that's something clever that Sky Terror did that most of these games I've not seen do. Having like the rarity rating that you were mentioning when you build a deck lets them have stronger, weaker cards, even at the exact same cost, but you have yeah. a limit on how many of them you can use. You know, it just gives like a little bit more granularity in your design choices. Well, and then yeah, because, some like, factions of, uh, don't work at all with other factions too, right? So those are some other benefits. Like if you're deck constructing blue, you can't have whatever, red, red. I think, right? Yeah. You can't have any red in your deck ever, um, but you can still have green and yellow and you can have them at different proportions depending on which castle you choose. So there's a lot of differences, I think, based on that as well. Well, and I know I'll say my preferences go very much toward limited deck construction, which is just because I don't really want to be doing it in the first place a lot of the time. <laughs> sure. Um, and I know I've mentioned these in other like podcasts in the past, but I really like the now kind of defunct Star Wars LCG system where like you would get six cards at once. Pods, like if you yeah. want Han Solo, you got to take some other stuff too. And they all kind of go together. Now it wasn't, it wasn't balanced well. So some pods was sure. so much, it was like, like they were like, Hey, let's have Han Solo and the Millennium Falcon and this awesome blaster all in one deck. And Chewie probably and too. Yeah. Like, yeah, right? exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's like, uh, and it's balanced because you have one like trooper or something. <laughs> like, right. It's like one bad card does not make all those amazing cards. Not amazing. Yes. <laughs> so that had issues, but like Arkham horror, I, I think it, it adds more replay and deck construction 
having the characters have limits of what they can get. Yep. Or um, I like the way Marvel Champions does it. I like that I always have these 15 cards and I always have a core to this hero and how they work, but I can make like the defensive version of that hero. I can make that hero with this combo. I like how Sky Terror does it with like limits on which colors you can include and like which rarities of cards you can use. On the other side, I respect what Ashes Reborn, again, maybe reviewing in two weeks, is doing. And I know Terrence is going to love that kind of thing because he can go ham. In that game, you can put any dang card you want in there except for the like one card for each uh, Phoenix Born that is unique to them. But you can have any dice. Like people who are replying to my video, they're like, well, hey, you know, if you deck construct, you can put dice in there to not even play cards, just dice because you like their you know, uh, one out of six side ability. I was like, oh my God, I don't want to think this much. Yeah. <laughs> but some people are going to eat that up like catnip, you know, like that, that's, that's like you said, that's, that's where their brain thinks after the game. That's like, it becomes a lifestyle game for them. They join the meta, they join the conversation. And I get that. It, it, it sounds super fun potentially, but yeah, I, I do like the limits personally. I yeah. can't say that's a recommendation because other people have totally different opinions on that than I do. So if you're designing a game with deck construction, Go either way if you want, but certainly my preferences are toward like some kind of limits. And like Peter said, it gives you more control over like the combos and more control over hopefully not having things that are just broken and unfun in the game. So, yeah. Well, I think even games that don't have limits like Magic the Gathering, like you can build whatever you want in Magic the Gathering as long as, you know, you only use a certain number of each card or whatever else. But you could use, you could make five color decks. They're just not as good because you don't get the consistency. So I do think there are ways to do it without limits when you have resources that come out of the deck or whatever else. But I'm with you. I prefer games like Arkham LCG and things like that Mm -hmm. where you're like, or even Marvel Champions is like, okay, I'm building this deck in this aspect. And they can even play with those too, right? Marvel Champions does it where this Spider-Woman can use all four aspects or she uses two, I'm sorry, two aspects. And Adam Warlock has to use all four aspects and like in equal proportions. So that messes with his deck construction, right? So I do think there are cool ways you can play with it. I think putting limits on yourself with those deck building options is an interesting way for not only you to challenge yourself as a designer, but I think it's Mm -hmm. an interesting way for players to have to challenge their deck building skills as well. Because it's like, okay, this, you know, combo would be really cool, but... What am I giving up if I chose this other aspect? This other combo would be really cool. And now I want to play both times, right? It makes me play Mm -hmm. a second time or a third time because now it didn't work exactly the way I want. Maybe I tweak it this way or tweak it that way. And I think people who like deck construction really like that fine tuning to get that extra one or 2% out of their deck. Yeah. Um, You know, and, and I think having it in there is not a terrible idea, but I would always say, don't just throw it to people. And this is what base sky tear did. Like, not hordes, but base Sky Terror game. They yeah. said, here you go. Here are all the cards. Make decks for your heroes and then start playing. Right? Oh, not it's, even any pre-cons or anything? No pre-cons, nothing else. <laughs> and, and maybe there was such a limited card pool that it was like, okay, play green with green or red with red. But they really discourage you from doing that for a long period of time. Mm-hmm. So it's like, really quickly, it becomes something where you need to know what you're doing. I like having the option of playing pre-cons as long as I want to. And then when I'm ready to move on at my pace, because everyone's going to progress at a different pace. Terrence never plays with anything pre-constructed, rips it apart the moment he has it, but that's okay, right? Like, that's fine too. 
for me, I want to play something five or six times usually. Then I'm going to tear it apart and like, okay, now how does this tie in with everything else that I have? Whereas for you, you might want to always play with pre-constructed, mm-hmm. you know, or maybe it takes you 50 times before you're like, all right, you know what? Now I'm ready to deck build or whatever. So or it's, wor- it's worth mentioning just because it's so ubiquitous now and you have so many like good websites to help with it, especially for the Fantasy Flight games. Net decking. Yep, I I think I I net de- I I net decked with tweaks the last Arkham deck I took through uh, the newest campaign. Well, not I haven't finished it yet, but uh, yeah, and that's cool because some <laughs> it's fun to play cool decks. Like yep. I remember uh, I started enjoying Lord of the Rings more when I finally played with Colin, and he had made a cool deck for me. And it was like a fun deck to play. And I was like, this game is a lot of fun. He's like, yeah, <laughs> but he made yeah. it fun, you know. And I didn't right. know how to do that. I didn't have the skill to make the game fun for me, so. Yeah, I think part of the problem could become it could go the other way too, though, right? If you're not good at constructing decks, now you think the game is not fun, but it's really that you right. made this terrible thing and you tried to put it on the table. Although that can be fun too if you're me and you just make terrible decks that you never test and you make Terrence, who is like captain deck builder, like play with you and try to make up for all your faults. That can be fun to watch as well. And so, yep, every Friday night, that's what we do. Marvel Champions. <laughs> a little bit of a plug there. But uh, yeah, watch me build a terrible deck and Terrence try to save my butt. Yeah, so any final thoughts there? I mean, I keep giving the same piece of advice, so I'm not going to give it again. <laughs> any final thoughts from you, Mike? No, uh, I mean, yeah, this is, I think there's clearly some pitfalls we've discussed for constructed deck games. But if you can make it work, I mean, it's kind of like the one of those holy grails in gaming where like you'll get a dedicated uh, fan base that will probably buy lots of expansions for a while. Yeah. I think it's tough unless you're like a big, a big boy. Hopefully Sky Terror uh, and Sky Terror Horde can keep it going. Cause they seem to have a pretty uh, solid uh, model so far. Yeah. And I mean, they tend to, I mean, you have to be willing to commit to your game also, right? They did that with Sky Terror, even though it was somewhat successful, but I don't know that you would call it, like, you know, it's not one of those games that's making BGG top 100 or anything else. Yeah. You know, they had moderate levels of success, but because they committed to it and kept putting out expansion material, you know, it kind of stayed in people's minds for a lot longer. And it did mm-hmm. get some super fans as well. So I think you have to be willing to commit to, like, if you're making a constructed deck game, you have to be willing to commit to beyond the core set. But the core set has to be fun enough that people want to buy more as well. And even if it's like not 100% there, but they can see the possibilities, right? Like the gameplay still has to be the key. No, totally. All right, everyone. Well, thanks for uh, listening and or watching. And uh, again, go check out the bullet play and leave a comment uh, so we can increase our uh, donation to Mental Health America. If you didn't hear about that at the beginning, we're doing like a little charity thing uh, with uh, the latest bullet uh, promo. And uh, yeah. All right. Bye. (laughs) I'm pretty pretty tired. I was like, and yep. And I'm out. Hold on. This is where I transition. Uh, Hey, hey Mike, speaking of nothing, uh, let's talk about Sky Terror (laughs) Horns. All right. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us again for the One Stop Co-op Shop podcast. Check out our YouTube channel at One Stop Co-op Shop. Also, join us for games and discussion on our Discord channel. You can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash one stop. Or leave us a review on iTunes. Thanks again and we'll see you next week for another top five list. Hey Mike. Oh, another hey Mike. Yeah, what?
Would you rather fight hordes of ducks mm. or a horde of horses? Okay, so multiple hordes of ducks, but a horde of horses. Don't you know that saying? Like, would you rather fight like a hundred horse-sized ducks or one duck-sized horse? I was no, to- I've never heard that before. You've never life. heard that? Yeah. So wait. One well, one duck-sized horse is not frightening at all. <laughs> no, 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 no. But these things are like a death match to the death. A hundred oh. duck-sized horses or one horse-sized duck. I mean, ducks can fly and stuff. Yeah, so that's that's where I was going with that. But apparently, if you've never heard the other part before, that the rest of that meme doesn't become nearly Yeah, I think I'd rather face down hordes of ducks than a single horde of horses, because they still got hooves, and they'll still trample me to death. I don't think ducks can trample, can they? Like, they're kind, they're very low body weight, right, with the bird Yeah, but they got the, the beaks, and they peck. Yeah, okay. Ducks don't have the nastiest beak, right? Don't they have kind of the curved bill? I don't know. They have like teeth on the inside. Like, I know geese can bite you. Can the duck bite you? Probably can, right? I mean, they eat fish, right? Like, they can eat you. Yeah. They digest meat. So they they got the ability. I mean, it's not vultures, but, you know. Anyway. Man, how many people die to ducks every year and how many people die to horses every year? Feel like the horses have the advantage. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, and deer, like, kill more people than anybody. Well, and, like, yes, there you go. Same kind of hooved animal. And, you know, they got big, bitey teeth, too. <laughs> <laughs> 